0: And psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our listeners. On a Sunday, we are sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrati, and um, we would like to um, say welcome to our show today. We are going to talk about different types of pressures that we take on and we daily sometimes are dealing with that and how we can overcome those pressures. We know that the holidays are coming and especially Thanksgiving is uh, within a few days away. Uh, There are so many good things about, um, you know, being thankful for. But also we know from psychological point of view and dealing with different patients that how many are there with so much in their plate and so many pressures in their mind that we are working with them. And today we want to talk about different types of pressures. We have um, peer pressures, we have family pressures, we have financial pressures. So every day there are so many things that we need to keep in mind and not every day is happy day um so uh today we want to open this conversation and we start with um dr Andrade.
1: i'm happy to jump in i was was waiting for daniel to take the helm but uh yeah no that's okay i'll jump in here try yeah no worries no worries yeah i I think pressure is something that can be helpful and, and encouraging and supporting but it could also be something that feels consuming and overwhelming and so I think it is trying to find that that optimal balance of pressure in regards to these da- these you know, daily as well as even the things that uh, we encounter in our holiday. So uh, and just starting with the holidays, you're mentioning side day, there's a lot of sometimes family pressure to to arrive and to be a certain way. There's these expectations. I always think of pressure sometimes as expectations. Uh, in regards to how we're supposed to be, um, even being on time, sometimes is an expectation or there's a pressure there uh, to help out, uh, to you know, be there and, and help with even the cooking and preparation, uh, to be able to uh, you know spark conversation. Sometimes that can be a pressure where around people we don't know, and so we're having to either interact in a way that is not so comfortable or is not so familiar, or even talking with family who we do know who we don't want to talk with. And so the pressure to to connect in that way. So I think it's always important to think of, you know, what is is the pressure that comes with the situation, uh, or even in that internal pressure to be a certain way or to arrive in a certain way. And I think it's until we can start to recognize the impact of that uh, both externally and internally that we can start to realize that we could maybe approach these things a little different. They don't have to be stressful. They don't have to come with as much pressure. So in regards to, to holiday pressure, I'm guessing for the two of you, is there any kind of pressure that you tend to feel around this time of year um, specific with the holidays? I don't, I don't usually feel too much uh, pressure in that way. I do. I don't re- really cook too much. Uh, so I don't feel a pressure to like arrive at family things with food. Um, I will give like financial support to family and in, in regards to, Hey, I'm not going to cook anything. So <laughs> here's some money. And you guys, you know, this can contribute to whatever, you know, you're going to cook, but that doesn't feel like a pressure. It's, I feel like that's like it's it's a trade-off because I'm not cooking and preparing. I want to make that part kind of easier in that way. Um, I maybe will feel a little bit pressure after eating, Uh, To like stay and linger a long time I I definitely want to like go home and just like (laughs) rest and relax and so uh, it definitely it's one of those things where there there can be a little bit of pressure there but not so much I feel like if there's a lot of family events like at different locations. And people are kind of hoping that you come by, or you know, wanting. Oh, you should come by. That starts to feel kind of tricky too, because then you got to tell some people no, or you feel like you got to make an excuse, and so you're just like, okay, well, I'll try, or I'm not sure. Um, And so that can feel like a little bit of pressure there. What about the two of you? Any pressure during the holidays, uh, particularly Thanksgiving, that you feel?
2: I don't feel too much pressure. Partly because I don't have much fam, I don't have family around here, so there's not the pressure of going to family gatherings. I can remember growing up, sometimes we'd have more than one family gathering to try to catch during the day, which is quite a challenge because we had to milk cows in the morning and milk cows at night, and it, you don't milk at night, you start like at four o'clock, and so there's a lot of a lot of stuff to get done in the in between time. But that was a pressure. I don't have that same pressure now because I don't have family here. So yeah. not really so much, not so much. I think when I was younger, I felt I felt a pressure at family gatherings. And as you were talking about different types of pressure, Alex, I was thinking of there's also another pressure, pressure to be yourself. Mm. You know, because to think, isn't that what we're all wanting, really needing to do and be When we go to these family gatherings, it's like I mentioned, I think last yesterday's program about people making jokes and things like that, or bringing up old family lore, the pressure really to be oneself is to be able to let those things go by, laugh it off and not get out of kind of bent out of shape internally, I
1: think. Do you mean like an internal pressure, Daniel? Like that's a pressure you put on yourself to be yourself or that family puts on to, on to you mm. to be yourself?
2: Yeah, it would be an internal pressure, oh, okay. not family pressure. Family pressures, I think, are pressures to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and But are there is, and maybe it's wrong to even say it, pressure to be oneself. It's the importance of being oneself in order to relieve some of that pressure and not be susceptible to pressures to be this way or that way. It's like, no, it's not what I do. And to be able to do that without getting too bent.
0: And I was just thinking, Alex, uh, with your question, um, you know, it's interesting that we all have been trying to be someone else or something else, and we all are struggling with wanting to be ourselves. So it's a really um, deep I think, question. On the one hand, we have created all these layers throughout our lives. And on the other hand, now we wish that these layers were off and we could be ourselves. You know, um, the other day I happened to be in a gathering that uh, there was a Turkish woman who um, was a healer. He was energy healer. And as she went around and she talked to each one of the people in the gathering, all of a sudden she started doing this energy thing and got close to people around. And she started saying about the pressure that each person is carrying and she could feel the pressure. And she said, and she went around and she said bluntly that, you know, Uh, For example, you're carrying so much in your life. And even though you, you know, act like you're calm and you're this and that, but then you have so much on your shoulder, you're doing this, you're doing that. And then she just talked about the pressure each person is carrying. And then I was just thinking right there, everybody is carrying so much pressure without sometimes realizing how much pressure you're carrying and you don't think of those um, regardless of what that energy healer said but think about it, I believe that what she said was pretty much right because almost everyone agreed with what she said and and then some people opened up and started sharing their own life. somebody said I haven't um, you know I, I have a child that has this issue and then somebody else said, I'm taking care of this and that. And so people started talking about their pressure in life and, um, and how much she was correct in saying that. Um, So, um, did she
2: expose, did she expose personal information? Like I see you've got a $30,000 car loan or something like that.
0: <laughs> well, uh, no, she's very, very smart woman. Okay. And very sweet and nice. And even she put it in a very, very nice way when she was uh, talking and she was asking actually, are you guys okay? If I just, even though she was very careful how she opened up and, um, but, in general what you said just made me think of this whole issue of we all want to be ourselves and what what does that mean to be ourselves that means we definitely have put some layers and some masks in different part of our communication and interaction and relationship that the pressure is because of all those masks and those layers we are adding to ourselves. So what if we are being ourselves? And what does that mean? Do we want to be ourselves and just be who we really are? Or do we want to carry all these layers and, and show up in different um, you know, in different parts of our lives differently?
2: Here's a question for you guys. I have my question time right now. question time brought to you by yes standard feature of our program i think it usually happens about right now (laughs) being yourself very important totally agree how does being yourself differ in different cultures is it Mm -hmm. different in the persian culture versus in the uh, hispanic culture versus german culture or is it the same
0: Very good question. I am thinking a big part of who we are is the culture we have raised with. So how could we ignore the cultural part? But if you are just looking at the human part and the needs and the basic needs of a human being, obviously we all are human beings. Our needs are Uh, shelter, support, you know, survival, all those things. But then when you go beyond that, a lot of part is the culture that has, um, you know, helped or has dominant or the dominancy of culture has made us uh, who we are, you know?
1: That's a great question, Daniel. Yeah. I just, I'm not sure to be honest in regards to, I mean, it shapes us, but yeah, it's a, I mean, I think it's hard to tease out. I always think of it as, as very hard to tease out of how that contributes to who we are. I think it's such an essential piece, but it's hard to say that that made me this way. Uh, best example I can think of too is like, as the eldest in my family of my siblings, I, I can see some ways that that has shaped me in my life in comparison to my siblings. But then at the same time, it feels like, well, that's, who I am—that's just me, in a way. And so I feel like it gets tricky because it's like, well, how much of that is the role? Uh, even as we're talking about the pressure, the expectation to be that, um, but then also recognizing it does have an influence. And so, yeah, I think it's it's tough to dissect that, tease that out. Like, what would be different of me if I was of a different culture? Would I be even the same person in that way? Um, yeah, I think it's a great question.
2: Maybe it's the kind of thing like the foods we grow up with, we like certain of those foods. And so if we're around other types of foods, we may still prefer those foods we grew up with, which are be cultural foods. And in that way, we we learn to grow within our own culture.
0: But think and of u- culture, using
2: elements of our culture. What's that? Yeah,
0: but think of culture of uh, a lot of it, how you interact with the society, your social part, which has a big Um, influence in who who you are, you know, when you are out um, in the society, how do you deal with um, um, opposite sex? How do you deal with elderly? How do you deal, you know, in workplace? I I think the effect of culture is amazing because I have grown up in two cultures and I can see that how much that Uh, influence who I am and because a big part of early development uh, whether it's childhood adolescence or adulthood I feel like you know it makes you as a as a foundation of who you are or those years that you grew up in the family and there's amazing influence in who you become And then when I came to completely different society, where I always think, besides celebrations, besides uh, some sort of relationship that you have, but everything is as opposed as left and right. So things that are good in that culture may not be good in this culture. Things we do in this culture, you never do in that culture. So... It has a lot of different things that are completely opposite of each other. So even though I learned this as opposed to that, I have a mixture of both. And I have decided for myself that which ones I want to keep and which ones I want to let go. But still, I feel like it's completely affected who I am, the culture I was raised in as a child, as an adolescent, you know. Uh, I came to United States when I was in high school, but I was completely, my personality was built in in that. And uh, the shadow of my parents and the shadow of the culture was always behind me. And I always considered that as I was going through life. You get to a point with your profession, with your knowledge, with your experiences that all of a sudden you question many things and you want to get rid of some of the things and add some of the things. Um, but still, I mean, it's part of who you are. I know we got to our first break. We come back and continue our conversation. We always start with something and then all of a sudden <laughs> we go to different direction, but we come back and continue our conversation about pressure about the cultural part. Um, and, uh, شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین ما روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از رادیو بامداد با دو تن از همکارانم هم دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراده به زبان انگلیسی صحبت میکنیم موضوعات صحبت ما موضوعات روانشناسی و فرهنگی هست و بعضی وقت‌ها راجب مسائل روس صحبت میکنیم امروز صحبتمون راجب مشکلات و فشارها و پرشرهایی که تو زندگی ما بهمون وارد میشه چه از دوست چه از فامیل چه از کار راجع به اون صحبت می کنیم و چون تنکس هم داره میرسه و ما دیروز راجع بهش مفصل صحبت کردیم حتی فشار این که مثلا بعضی از گدرنگ هایی که مجبوریم باشیم توش ممکنه بعضی ها رو ناراحت بکنه راجب اون صحبت میکنیم برمیگردیم و صحبت همون رو به زبان انگلیسی ادامه میدیم اگه کسانی هستن که فکر میکنین از برنامه ما استفاده میبرن خواهش میکنم ازشون دعوت کنین به برنامه ما توجه کنن We're back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandra, and we continue our conversation regarding the topic of pressure, whether it's peer pressure, whether it's um, family pressure, uh, celebration or gathering pressure, economical situation pressure, social pressure. And I know we um, talked about part of the culture and who we are and, and now we continue um, maybe with uh, Dr. Rocker's question.
1: I had a question, but I want to hear Daniel's question. It sounds like it's going to be a good one, too.
2: I thought I already asked the question, <laughs> but I have another question, actually. The <laughs> <laughs> question is this. In what way does the uh, does our uh, growth as an individual reflect the stereotype of our culture? And it's not... It,
1: Heavy I, hitter, I, man, Daniel. That's, I, a, that's a good one. That's dope. Oh, yeah.
2: Because philosophical of the, you know, questions, I love it. Okay, run with it. Go with it. Tell me what you're. No, I want to hear
1: more. It sounds like there's there's more that you have. Well, yeah. I was
2: just going to explain a little further that I think stereotypes, generally, stereotypes have some grain of truth in it. You know, like jokes do. They have some kernel of truth. It may not be entirely true, or they're probably exaggerated. But those stereotypes come from somebody's observations about that. And to me, I would think that to some extent, parts of those stereotypes, I mean, they exist probably for a reason, but they're also, those are accepted channels, let's say. For example, if we take, I'm not an expert on like Italian culture, but Italians typically known for more of being more boisterous and enjoying life and drinking wine and things like that, that things, a development And personality lines along that would seem totally acceptable if that's one's own self. So that's where my question springs from. I'm just thinking, "Hmm, becoming yourself and how does that fit within one's own culture? And is it easier to travel down those lines where things are stereotyped? I'm thinking about Germans being known as engineers and being stoic withholding back emotion and things like that. And I can see that influence in me, mm-hmm. which if I was born in a different
1: culture. I may not have had that. Yeah. I think it's different because when we say stereotypes, that tends to connotate a negative thing where there can be kind of like, uh, I think of it as like the difference between base rates and stereotypes, like, you know, on average, m- more people or, you know, persons of this background are this where it's like, there are numbers showing that, but it can be used in a negative way towards that group that all of those people of those group are that. Um, And so it's a great point. It's a great question too, because I think that's the tricky piece to to kind of decipher, like, you know, what, what makes us, us, knowing that there can be that cultural influence and how do you embody that in a way that is, authentic, as well as even I mean, I think positive too. a lot of times too, people are proud of their culture and their background. Uh, you know, it definitely, as you know, Mexican American myself, you know, I'm very proud to be Mexican American in that way. And not to take from any other group or in a negative way towards other groups. But it's like, I can't imagine being anything else, because this is what I am. And this is what I have known. And to me, it's, you know, Uh, comfortable and ideal and familiar in that way. So it's not like any other cultural group is less than it's just like, well, this is my identity. This is who I am. This is what I am. And so again, I think it's kind of like I answered that last question. This is all I know. This is, you know, who I am. And uh, it's something that I think does shape you in a way where it can be a positive thing to uh, identify and connect with those cultural pieces, but I also think it's how those are viewed. Like for example, you know, I talked about masculinity before in the Latino culture. It tends to be kind of more skewed as a negative in regards to being very macho, um, you know, being unfaithful in your relationships versus it being one where you're very proud in your family and very culture driven or family driven, excuse me. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's one of those things where. I think every, I don't know if I could say this, to say every culture, maybe most cultures have this, have certain qualities that they can be kind of turned around and looked at as something that is a great strength or a liability or a weakness in that way. And so definitely being able to kind of see both sides of it. And I think that you alluded to the idea of, uh, you know, like a, a grain of truth and jest. I always think of the, the comedian, Dave Chappelle, who does a great job of being able to highlight those those little those little grains and and being able to talk about it and enlighten it in a way where you don't just have to go with the uh, anger or the frustration associated with that stereotype. You can see the humor in it while still recognizing how it could cut and harm. And so I think it's a real like Wordsmith, a real crafty person to be able to recognize it can be both. And I think that's one of the, we've talked a little bit about cancel culture. I think that's one of the problems with, you know, cancel culture is you're not able to not only see, but also appreciate both in that way. Like, look, and I think Dave Chappelle is a great example of that. Like he can do both of those things. He can say, this is how this is a negative and how this can hurt, but this is also how it could be funny and there's some jest in it. And so, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, and I'm glad you brought that up, Daniel, because I think for most people, it's it's a scary topic to even bring up because it's like, oh, you're asking about stereotypes, or you're asking about culture. Oh, wait, what are you trying to say? And it's just like, well, no, hold on, you're not listening to the question. You just went right to the cutting part versus the other part that can be beneficial and growth, uh, you know, encouraging growth. So uh, again, I think you know, great question in of itself, and, and always appreciate you asking those kind of questions, because that's how this, this how dialogue occurs, is being able to, to see it as a whole versus just using it as a way to, to shame or, or chastise I, somebody.
2: Yeah, and I think that not only can it be seen as a negative, it can also, like you said, be seen as something humorous, it can also be seen as a positive. I think there's at least three ways to look at those stereotypes. I can think in terms of Germans, you can think of excessively being known as excessively rigid on the one hand. And on the other hand, you can think of that as being disciplined, somebody who's got good discipline. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of ways to interpret the, the different aspects of stereotype are typical ways to think of it in terms of a put down. And negative,
0: and again, back to what we were talking about the extreme, and um, you know, to there are two extremes one would be the rigidness, for example, the other part would be the discipline, you know. So, I mean, you can go either way if you are looking at the extreme, but if you get the middle part, usually it's part of both side of um, what you talk about. But um, I was going to say, like in Persian culture, there's so many cultures within cultures. Each state in Iran, they have their own culture. And we usually talk about it. And sometimes there are jokes from different parts of uh, the country. So each state is known for something. They have all their positive and beauty and Um, you know, extravagant stuff about those states, but there's also something that they make joke and they make fun of those people from different states. So, you know, there's a stereotype about each culture in general, but also they usually make it extreme when they're making jokes and then when they're making it as a stereotype. So um, as you mentioned, Daniel, like for example, the rigidness or, or um, the discipline. This was a great example. But like Persians are known for their hospitality. So if you talk about Persians anywhere you go, you know, a worker comes to your house. You want to offer them coffee. You want to offer them tea. You want to offer them sit down and maybe eat with you. I mean, it's just uh, big in, in our culture. Um but also I wanted to say religion is a big part of culture that um, makes the foundation of that culture. For example, when I think of Persian culture, the religion came, um, Islamic religion came to our culture from the time that, um, you know, the Islamic culture came, uh, things changed. But uh, many people wanted to stick to that original Zoroastrian culture and still have that culture, still have that religion and passed it on to different generations. Um, A lot of people in Iran you talk to, they want to go back to their origin and they want to resist, um, you know, their religion. So, I mean, you talk about culture and it comes to my mind so many different things, especially... Uh, in countries that they don't have stability uh, like, you know, other cultures or other countries. And, and that plays a role also in um, sticking to the origin uh, or changing it. So I can talk about this in one session, that how the culture can affect um, personal families, uh, societies, And as a whole, you know, a nation. Um, And I think like, for example, even in United States, the Catholic culture is huge in this country, you know, as it is in European culture. So the immigrants who came to the United States, the base, um, basically, when you think about the immigrants who came to United States, the origin of the immigration starts with religion. People who were fighting the 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 governments in England that um, they were against their religion, they against their um, the way they were treating people, so they left. And um, so we can talk about these. I know we got to a point that we should have a break and come back to continue our conversation. The pressure got us to uh, religion and culture and all of that. (laughs) The pressure of
1: the the clock too. We're feeling that pressure too. Yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah.
0: Wow. The pressure of time. Yes. (laughs) So we come back and we continue our conversation. Um, شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه صدای ما رو از رادیو بامداد به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت 12 تا یکی بعد از ظهر ما با دو تن از همکارانم هم From از توانا اورگنیزیشن توانا دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندرادی در خدمتون هستیم صحبت‌های مختلفی در زمینه‌های موضوعات روانشناسی، فرهنگی و روزمره می‌کنیم امروز در مورد uh, پرشری که فشاری که در زمینهای های مختلف روی انسان هست صحبت کردیم و میکنیم و برمیگردیم ادامه صحبتمون رو به زبان انگلیسی میدیم و زمینن اگر کسانی هستن که از برنامه ما به زبان انگلیسی استفاده میکنم خواهش میکنم دعوتشون کنیم به برنامه ما روزهای شنبه و شنبه از ساعت دوازدت تا که بعد از ظهر توجه کنم We are back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade. Uh, this is saide Malik Afsali speaking. We were in the first two parts of our conversation. We started talking about pressure from um, pressure, peer pressure, from family pressure, especially holidays are coming. And we we're talking about how the pressure of being with uh, some of the family members or uh, just being at a, a gathering Uh, how that could affect us. And also we talked about different parts of the culture. And now we are back at the last part of our uh, session. We're going to continue conversing regarding the pressure, especially the economical pressure at this time uh, where we are right now.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that too, the idea of the financial pressure. And I think the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving, but definitely Christmas <clears throat> tends to be one that brings a lot of financial pressure and a lot of stress. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know a lot of times people will spend more than they anticipate uh, around this time of year. And then they'll put themselves in a financial uh, uh, bind come sometimes several months following the holidays. And so I, I think it's really important to be able to talk about um. Money uh, definitely is a psychologist. It's something I find that not a lot of people talk about. We all have a relationship with money. We grow up with certain sayings, you know, a penny, penny saved was that penny saved is a penny earned, Um, you know, but then also people say, oh, you can't take it with you, you know? So it's like, well, let's spend it while you're here. Um, Those things can get you in trouble though, too. If you're spending it, like you you ain't got tomorrow, how are you going to pay your bills? And so, you, you don't want to kind of, I think, uh, be too rigid to either extreme of you know, let's let's spend it all or let's save it all. Um, and definitely during the holidays, I think it's an important time to recognize kind of what is your relationship with money. If you're more of a saver, if you're more of a spender, um, so that you can be intentional with what that looks like uh, when it comes to even Thanksgiving. You know, if you're hosting, do you have to buy all new you know sets, uh, you know, silverware and Plate sets? And do you have to, you know, go uh, put yourself in a financial, uh, you know, bind just to have a presentation of a certain level? Uh, Also, to even just like how much food you buy, even to, you know, looking at, you know, are you buying this to feed your family and to feed your guests? Or is it more about, oh, let me only have stuff from this particular store or people will view me a certain way if I have. Seven pies versus, like, all right, you're only going to eat one pie, you know, like, let's just get the one. Uh, so definitely being aware of you know how you're spending, um, and, and even asking you know why you're spending this. Um, also, too, sometimes people you know with COVID, you know, people aren't working uh, as they have been, and so it may be even the idea of a, a kind of a muted, uh, kind of celebration in regards to how much you're spending even when it comes to again we'll probably talk about this as it's closer to with gift giving you know giving within your means giving with sentiment not just value i think is really important and so uh yeah that financial pressure i think is a big one that people start to feel uh during this time of the year uh daniel what's your take on the financial pressures that people maybe encounter t- around this time
2: i think it is about As you were talking, it occurred to me that it's about knowing yourself and we're trying to get to know yourself and all those questions you were asking, like, why are you doing that? Do you need to have seven pies instead of one pie? Those sorts of things. when we ask ourselves, why am I really, why am I doing this? It is about getting to know who we are, which I think we talked about yesterday, yesterday, that we do need to know who we are. And we don't automatically know who we are. When I was younger, I heard people say that, and this was like in the 70s, and it was kind of a, sort of a joke, like, yeah, I got to find myself. And I thought, yeah, that's just stupid. you know, I already found myself. (laughs) I'm right here. I know who I am.
1: Here, right here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but the reality is, as I became a psychologist, and we understand the idea of the conscious mind and the unconscious aspect of our mind, we often don't know so many things about ourselves. And I can look back to when I was younger and realize there were people could see things in me that I could not see in me and they were telling me about those things and I could not see those things. That's getting you, how do we get to know who we are? So asking yourself those questions about money, how do I spend money? What's my relationship with money? What's my relationship with gift giving, with holidays? That Those are all questions about getting to know who we are. So those are my thoughts on that.
0: And are we doing that to satisfy our ego? Or is it, you know, because that's also an an important question. Why am I doing this? Why am I going beyond this spending money that I have in order to make somebody else happy? Is it just because I want to show off? What what is the purpose behind it? And when we talk about being ourselves, I think that these are all the parts of when we say who we are. Because if we are who we are, we are not going to pay attention to any of these other factors. But if we really do it for ourselves, this is how much I want to spend because this is how much money I have. But when, when I go beyond that, Why am I doing that to put myself into pressure just to make someone else happy to the price that I have to pay? Or am I doing that for other reasons? And why should I put myself into such pressure to to satisfy my ego? You know, these are all questions we need to ask ourselves.
1: I think it's along those ideas, too, that, that I am enough and anything that I do for somebody I care about is enough. And how much I spend, even though it may not be more or equivalent to others, it's enough because that's what I'm doing with, again, as I mentioned earlier, the sentiment of giving. And so, I, again, I think it starts with that core idea that us feeling whole and as enough as a person. But I think along those lines, you know, that that's something that's tricky because I think we're, we're always growing and evolving. And so the idea of finding ourselves in the sense of this stagnant kind of concrete thing, like I am this, or, you know, this is, you know, who I am. It's like, okay, well there, that's true, but we're also growing and evolving and changing in that way. So I think both are true. We have to know who we are, but then also being open to who we're becoming at the same time. And again, not to get too deep, but just that idea that feeling comfortable in that uh, uncertainty of knowing some things, but not knowing everything. It's like to say, you know, Oh, I know who I'm going to be in five years. It's like, well, no, you don't. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody knows what they're going to be in five years. They can hope for some things and they can aspire for some things, but that's like, you're like saying, besides, you know, maybe looking at the fa- farmer's almanac, I know what the weather is going to be like in five years. It's like, no, you don't um, actually fa- farmer's almanac is really good and really spot on with weather. So uh, maybe that's not a good example, <laughs> but um. Yeah, you know, and it's okay. It's okay not to know exactly who we are because there's opportunity for growth and spontaneity and creativity in that way. Uh, But we could know those things about us that do feel secure and stable to say that I am this and I am enough and what I spend is enough because it's not, you know, what the dollar amount that comes with that gift, it's giving that gift. The example I always give people is, you know with kids, if you give them a gift, they'd never be like, Oh, you know, Uncle uncle Alex spent you know $49.80 on my seventh birthday. I really value him as a person because of that. Like, he really is such a great uncle because of that. No, they remember that I got him a doll, you know, or a toy, and it's like that toy could have been four dollars, you know, it didn't have to be. It was just that they liked Barbies, they liked trucks. And I got him a little truck or, you know, we even built a little wooden truck or something like that that doesn't even have to cost a ton of money. The sentiment, the idea behind it can be way more valuable than the dollar amount attached to those things.
0: And also I have experienced this, Alex, now that you talk about toys, I've bought a good toys, an expensive one, along with something little that was added to that just for fun of it. And you give it to the kid, and they only play with that little thing. They just put the other one away. Or the
1: box, they'll play with the box <laughs> yeah, sometimes they too. Know. And
0: so yeah, you're exactly. like, we don't even look at that. You know, that has happened to me, and I have. I was standing there in awe to think of how the kids can be happy with just something little, and what we think is completely opposite than how we they perceive.
1: Yeah. Or as adults, you know, I can get you a gift card. You know, I can get Daniel a $50 gift card and be like, all right, here you go. Or I could say, you know what, Daniel, let's go have coffee together. My treat. This is the gift I want to give you for the holiday. Force mm-hmm. you to spend time with me. But hopefully the experience of being able to be like, yeah, we went and grabbed coffee and it was nice to, you know, kind of have that time together in that way versus Alex gave me $50. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, anyway.
2: Yeah. Anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. I should be grateful
1: somehow, right? You should be grateful. Yes. Yes. Okay. Got any it. other, any other pressures that we want to talk about in the time we got, as far as uh, financial, especially with the holiday work pressure, as far as even taking time off and feeling even the motivation sometimes around this time of year to, to keep working right now, uh, even though we're grateful for the job we have. Yeah.
2: Speaking of motivation, we can talk about Leidensdruck, a German term. Do you know that term? Do not. Leidensdruck comes up in psychology. It is suffering pressure. And it means like when somebody comes into our office, you can check to see do they have this Leidensdruck and do they have that pressure of suffering? In other words, a pressure to change, to make change. So sometimes maybe we can look at these pressures that approach us in the holidays. And if we do feel them as pressures, then maybe we can see them as that lightens the where it's motivation to change in some way. What do I need to change? What can I change? Do I need to change something that's in me? Do I need to change some situation? Do I need to talk with somebody? It's those kinds of things. And that doesn't mean a bad thing. It just means, Hey, how can I look at my life and examine my life and make things go a little bit better? I think that's one of the biggest things for me in terms of working with clients is to help people see that real change happens in these small incremental steps instead of the great big step. And so can I get a little bit further in X direction? That right there, I think, is a very important concept. 100%
1: agree. That's how I I always think of that is that's how you measure progress, especially in therapy, I'd love to say it's leaps and bounds, and you're a whole new person, or you're the person that you you always aspired to be the reality is, it's a, it's a lot of little changes. Sometimes it's even just getting up in the morning at a certain time and exercising that one day of the week, you know, and uh, versus being like, yeah, I run marathons now, like, no, 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 you just, you know, you go for a jog, you know, twice a week, and that's okay, because it's closer to what you're hoping to be and what you want to be for yourself,
0: Daniel. I like to know more about the light and through that you mentioned. What is that?
1: I just made it up. I
2: don't. Make really <laughs> anything. I'd
0: like to know more. Is it German? Uh, is it cultural? Is it?
2: It's German. It's he engineered
1: German. it. He just engineered it right now. So yeah, yeah.
2: It's a, it is a German word. You can look it up, actually. But it's, well, I, you know, I would like to be able to give you a great etymology and history and a lot of detail about it. I know it as suffering pressure and its motivation to get better. When clients come in, if they do not have suffering pressure, they may be having a lot of difficulties. But if they do not have this suffering pressure type of feeling, then they don't have motivation to make change. Mm -hmm. In that case, then your task is probably a little different. Then your task is to how can we generate some motivation? Because some people are in a place where they're stuck and they can't really see the ability to make change. Mm -hmm. So then we have that initial scaffolding we've got to do before they can begin to make the change. We have to help them. We have to make change in them or help them make change in themselves, so that then they can learn how to make themselves.
0: Isn't it uh, just in general suffering pressure um, is in each of us, in different ways, but we make it for ourselves because life by itself—I know it's not easy when you really think about it. Because you have to get up, you have to work, you have to do this, you have to have financial—you um, know—you um, have those pressures. That's life. But I'm just saying, uh, do we don't we make it more difficult than it is?
2: What do you, I I'm not sure I understand I mean, what you're I'm asking.
0: Just make, I'm just saying that we make life more difficult than it is. So for example, can.
2: Yeah. I
0: mean, basically when you think about it, obviously when you really get to the bottom of it, the general idea is having enough food on the table so that you can survive, right? I mean, when you think of just the basic need besides shelter obviously besides those um general needs um as initial needs of as a human being but then think about it we are not getting into like mysticism and all those ideas of uh, eating or taking just maybe a couple of almonds a day and survive and be more spiritual and go to another you know s- sort of thinking, but I'm just saying in general, when you really think about it, besides the general needs, if you go to hierarchy of needs, the rest of it, it's all those extras that we create for ourselves and we make our life even more difficult ourselves. Um, Because the general idea is to have a simple life and enjoy life, right? Even if you're traveling, you can travel with the simplest uh, possibility that you can have. Or if you are living, you can have a simple life that you enjoy yourself more rather than creating all those layers of extras for yourself. So I'm just thinking, in general, if you think of the hierarchy of needs, it is our way of thinking, do you go one step higher and one step higher. But with all that, when we expand it to extras, we are making it more difficult talking about toys for the kids. It's the same, we can make ourselves and others happy with the smaller thing with the smallest things. But uh, we usually add and generate more pressure for ourselves financially and And in our mind, we make it more difficult.
1: And I think that's, that's, I think it's tricky because I think that comes with the more that we get. For example, if in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we have those things like food and shelter, safety, love, we get get to the higher ones, such as esteem. And with esteem comes this idea of like respect, status, recognition. And so those things start to have, I think, like a cultural and a societal influence, like this is worth, this is value. And so it's like, okay, well, I need to buy these things and I need to give these kind of gifts. And then we start to to lose the importance of, we we start to lose the perception of what's important instead where, you know, kind of chasing this idea of these things having worth and value more so than maybe those core things such as, you know, that the love, the connection, those relationships. So, I think it's one of the things the higher you go, the more you have to look back to those core things, the safety, the security of housing, you know, we, we can take it for granted sometimes we're like oh yeah I need to buy this new thing and I want one of those things and recognizing I, I, I can be grateful for the things I have and appreciate those things. And I don't have to just keep striving and pushing in that way. And so I definitely think it's a very societal, very cultural kind of American kind of view in that way, which can be kind of limiting and, and, and problematic.
0: And I'll always ask the question, do i need that do i need this does it make any difference having it or not having it is it extra or not especially because during holidays i know a lot of families have pressure we know some people go through depression we know that uh, even some people go further down the road and there's so many negative conversations or problems happening in some families due to uh, financial pressure But in general, um, if we think about the needs of, um, you know, ourselves, our families, the needs are something and the extras are another. So maybe um, I want to invite everybody to really think about that. Do we need all those extras? If we have money, well, we can uh, spend however we want. But if we have limited money, um, we need to think of, the most essential parts of spending, rather than the extras.
1: No pressure at all. But due to time, I think we could probably, right now, actually, uh, you know, leave our listeners with a message. Um, again, no pressure either. Either to have a great message. I, do you guys feel? Do you guys ever feel pressure to have like a great kind of like things <laughs> to leave the listeners? Is that pressure? Like
2: you are pressuring.
1: So, yeah, I guess the incredible, the incredible thing that Daniel is about to say, listeners, please, please be attentive.
2: Nice. (laughs) Well, right. Suffering. What is it? Pain is inevitable. Suffering is a matter of choice. choice. I don't know. I felt too much pressure to say something brilliant there. Uh, (laughs) That was
1: actually pretty good right there. That was a good reminder, actually. Well, we can
2: choose. Things are going to be painful. I think the suffering part is how much we immerse ourselves in it and how much we can observe it and to some extent take action. I think that's the key. How to be constructive. Can we be constructive with what's coming our way? And not get to the point of resignation. And I think that's the opposite of the Leidensdruck. Leidensdruck is suffering pressure. It's motivation to change. we hit the place where we're just resign and like uh i give up i don't it doesn't matter anymore things are crap that's when we don't have that suffering pressure so be constructive see what you can do move in some small step in in the right direction
1: great great one daniel i think in leaving um the message i want to leave listeners today i think it's important to recognize those pressures and those expectations uh one kind of simple way is recognizing that internal or external dialogue with ourself that I should, or I'm supposed to, or I have to. I think if we can catch those words within ourself, we can start to ask, you know, like, where is this pressure or this expectation coming from? Who says I have to? Who says I'm supposed to, or I should? And that gives us an opportunity to say, do I want to continue down that road? Uh, do I want to kind of approach this in a different way? where i'm having a little bit more understanding maybe even a little bit more compassion with ourselves and just feeling like we should or we have to
0: and i want to say separate yourself from the pressure like in psychology we always say don't say i'm depressed you know so you are not actually you know that so separate that from yourself so if you have problems uh, whether it's financial whether there are other issues always remember that is not who you are. You are you separate from any problems or from any mental issues or from physical issues. That our body, you know, accepts that and then some days it's gonna be gone. When you think about that, you you separate that thing from you, and then you see it from a different perspective from an outsider than getting so much, as Daniel said, immersed into it, so it becomes part of you. So with that, I wanna um, invite our listeners to try to enjoy every day by itself rather than thinking too much about uh, f- future. Which we all do, and it's part of life, and it's good to have some plans for future. But living for now is the major part because we never know what comes tomorrow. As Dr. Andrade mentioned, we don't know anything about five years from now. We don't know anything about next day. So it's the best to enjoy what we have now, which is today. And then also, uh, you know, have some sort of planning, but not so much uh, immerse yourself into future or leave the past for itself because it's unchangeable. So with that, I want to wish everyone a wonderful week of Thanksgiving. And I want to thank my friends and my colleagues, Dr. Andrade and Dr. Rockers for who they are, for their support, for their uh, camaraderie, Um, For their collegiality, for everything that they bring into this show, and for the Thanksgiving, I want to first thank them, and also once again to thank Radio Bomb Dot for giving us the opportunity. And with that, I want to wish everyone a wonderful week ahead. I'm not استم و بارکن که ساعتی نوازشه با چشم منو با که یک قصیده خویش. اسپاسی یه آشتی شد. انتخاب لحظه‌های حسرت فریاد کرده. اسم کسی بازدم. اسم تو هر اسمی که هست مثل قزل چه آشغال قربت مثل قزل مثل مثل wurkon ismemu po من ne wurde
1: werdia ma trude bo volu shabna der achtan
0: بابر کن همیشه بابر کن
1: که من به عشق
0: صادقم بابر حرف منو بابر کن
1: که من همیشه عاشقم